Hello, everybody, and welcome to the September 17, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, I've been telling a joke about broken window policing for the past couple of weeks, maybe even the past uh, month or so on this podcast. And, and it goes like this. So broken window policing causes the problem, and the response of Republicans is to continue breaking the window. Uh, this is from Reason Magazine. This was yesterday, uh, but I didn't get to cover it, sadly, because it came out after I finished recording. Attorney General Bill Barr encourages federal prosecutors to charge violent protests with, sedi with sedition. Sedation? Sed I've heard it pronounced both. We'll say, we'll say sedition. And if you don't know what that means, essentially that we don't have quite enough to convict you on treason, but we do believe that you have committed a crime against the state. Uh, it has been used by such absolutely great liberty-loving people as John Adams, who then used it essentially to spy on everyone he could and shut down as many opposition papers as possible, and a Woodrow Wilson, who, uh, with his best friend, J. Michael Palmer, uh, decided to deport everyone who was to the left of him off to the Soviet Union. Sorry, sorry, A. Michael Palmer, not J. Michael Palmer. Got got the first letter of the name confused. I know, how dare I mix up the names of Woodrow Wilson's, or the first letter of the name of Woodrow Wilson's third attorney general. Why did a Woodrow Wilson need three attorney generals? One really wasn't enough. How many presidents have actually only had one attorney general? Now that I think about it. I mean, the only one that really comes to mind, the most recent one I can think of, is Bill Clinton had Janet Reno his entire administration. And I guess Kennedy had Robert Kennedy, but his administration was kind of cut short, so don't know if that really counts. Uh <laughs> anyway, here's the article. This is from Reason. The Trump administration response to the to the demonstrations of riots that have broken out in U.S. cities following the police killing of George Floyd continue apace, with U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr reportedly suggesting that prosecutors charge demonstrators with sedition. Barr, according to a story published today by the Wall Street Journal, encouraged prosecutors on a conference call last week to charge violent protesters with federal offenses whenever possible. The attorney general encouraged the use of sedation charges even in the context where state charges would apply, reports the journal, which spoke to several people familiar with the call. Of course, the only crime Bill Barr approves of is illegally selling weapons to Iran so you can fund terrorist death squads in Nicaragua, obviously. Obviously. Uh, by the way, we covered this yesterday. I covered the numbers yesterday. Only one in nine, 11% <laughs> of Americans are basing their vote off of law and order. Around five times that amount are worried about things like the COVID-19 pandemic, okay? So this appeal to one-ninth of the population, uh, congratulations, Bill Barr, you'll get the vote of one-ninth of people. 
This is absolutely amazing. I must note. Just one in nine people. One in nine care about law and order. That's the only thing. The only thing Bill Barr and Donald Trump keep focusing on. I remember I saw this column from Ann Coulter yesterday. Uh, sorry, incoherent gibberish from Ann Coulter yesterday. Uh, <laughs> sorry, incoherent gibberish from Tommy Lahren after the meth addiction started yesterday. Seriously, I made the joke before. But you ever notice how Tommy Lahren, Ann Coulter, and Kellyanne Conway look like the same person at different stages of a meth addiction. It's really weird. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and it was saying, oh my god, Mr. President, you need to implement law and order and take down these Antifa rioters. All that is done, all that is done is gotten more people to side with Antifa. Anyway, uh, you know what this reminds me of? You know what this reminds me of? The Trump administration has done stuff like this before. You guys remember, uh, I think it was a few months ago now, when acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, uh, ordered the DHS to literally snatch and grab uh, Antifa protesters and Black Lives Matter protesters off the street and put them in windowless, unmarked vans. I remember that very well. And you know, you know, I don't know how much connection that had to Donald, but you know at the very least Chad Wolf, who has a name so desperately trying to be badass, was sitting there going, this is going to restore order to our country. People are going to love me for this. People are going to be saying, I want that man to be president. They're going to absolutely love Chad Wolf. Instead, you got Secret Service uh, contemplated with or confused with a certain other SS by every verified Twitter liberal, and everyone in the country was calling you a fascist. Uh, congratulations, Acting Secretary Wolf. You are an absolute failure of an acting secretary. I keep emphasizing this one word. And I hope you guys can see why I'm doing it. And, I mean, it's really never going to take off because the administration has such a muffled, and I'd argue, utterly nonsensical view on current on crime. You know, I've played it on the show before, and I wrote about it in the Liberty Hawk article. It's called, uh, Is Donald Trump Running as Both George Bush and Michael Dukakis? That's what it honestly feels like hearing Bill Barr say it. It felt like Michael Dukakis running the Willie Horton ad. I I'm being dead serious. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, <laughs> but they have such a muddled message both in terms of their rhetoric and in terms of just what's objectively going on. You guys remember at, our, at, the, at the Republican National Convention, they were playing this video and warning, this is what it would be like under Biden's America, and it was all footage of, like, the week before the RNC. Uh, who, who's in charge? Who, who is in charge right now exactly? So this is currently Trump's America. And I remember uh, one of the people who not only fell for it, but I think has actually brainwashed himself into believing this is comfortably smug. And essentially his entire existence right now is dedicated to going, At Barack Obama, do you disown 
uh, Antifa. <laughs> he always says it with the Australian accent when he tweets. No idea why. Or for that matter, even in just their basic rhetoric. I covered this in the past. In the same day, one time on the same day, there was one pro-Trump pack saying, oh my God, if you elect Biden, he's going to defund the police. And another saying, oh my God, if you elect Biden, we're all going to be arrested for minor drug offenses. Well, which is it? Who's going to arrest us after the police are defunded? David Icke? Is he going to do it? <laughs> that would be absolutely hilarious. I don't care what any of you say. And this is essentially, you know we're going to get at least one more of these before the election, by the way. It's probably going to be from either Barr, Wolf, or Trump himself, where he's just sitting there going, I'm going to take down the Antifa protesters, or Trump's going to take down the Antifa protesters if we give him a second term. And then their solution is going to be, and like they're going to scream something like, we need a final solution to the Antifa problem, or something ungodly authoritarian like that. Um, which doesn't actually solve the problem, might I add. All that does is make you look like a fascist, and that might, just, just speculating here, that might actually help the PR of a group called Anti-Fascist just saying... You know, they're going to scream something like that, and they're going to be sitting there in the back just high-fiving each other, going, oh my god, we just owned Joe, and then his approval ratings are going to sink to like 20, and then Joe Biden's going to win like 400 electoral votes. I'm calling it now, that's seriously what's going to happen, because this administration is not only appealing to one-ninth of Americans in its messaging, it's also confused the rhetoric of that one-ninth and made it look as unappealing as possible. If I supported law and order right now, and I've been saying that for years, I'd genuinely stop saying it. I really would. Because now we have it associated with snatching, and with, uh, snatching people, putting them in windowless and unmarked vans, and advocating for sedition laws. Okay. And side note, there's no evidence, by the way, that any Antifa protesters are trying to overthrow the government. That is legitimately a ridiculous conspiracy theory, if you will. But hey, that's not really a new thing for this administration, so who cares? Anyway, uh, so the most recent incident of what most would consider not even really police brutality more or less just a questionable situation was Ricardo Minos back in, back a few days ago, actually. This was a really recent event. Now, yesterday, new footage came out uh, revealing this has been going back for quite a bit farther than we realized, but yeah, yeah, that's what we expected. That's what the Justice Department determined after Michael Brown was shot. And so this is footage. What I'm about to tell you is a story that only got out because footage from April was leaked. This was pre the killing of George Floyd. For context of how long they've been getting away with this. And they've been getting away with this for years. Anyone who remembers 2016, 2017. Really, most of what happened between the death of Eric Garner 
And, and I think about 2016, 2017, BLM started to lay down slightly. This is this is great. Salt Lake City officer charged with felony after ordering canine to bite black man. A police officer in Salt Lake City, Utah, has been charged with aggravating assault after video showed him ordering a canine to attack a black man in his own yard. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to Jeffrey Ryans, a 36-year-old man who was bitten by a police dog. And it was something else entirely. Now, according to the cop, what happened was Ryan was called on for a domestic abuse charge after also violating a restraining order or something along those lines. It, it's still not entirely clear why the cops were there, but we'll go with that situation. Uh, and that, mind you, and I'd like to say this, because this is the straw man they keep throwing at us. Oh, you think George Floyd or Rashad Brooks or Jacob Blake are outstanding citizens? They spent so long trying to get dirt on Ahmed Arabi. You guys remember that? They spent so long trying to get dirt on that. And it all came down to he walked through a building that the owner said he didn't steal anything in. And they just kept trying to find dirt on him. But anyway, no, Jeffrey Ryans is hashtag no angel. I, I want to make that clear. That's he, he isn't. He isn't. He might have very well been beating a woman in there. He, he might have. He really might have. I won't deny that. Now, what does that mean he deserves? Because the other argument they commonly make, they especially loved this argument with Jacob Blake, was that he was resisting arrest. Now, mind you, in the case of Jacob Blake, it's not really resisting if they don't make an attempt, but that's a different topic. We're talking about Jeffrey Ryan now. Well, Jeffrey Ryans was not resisting arrest. When the police officer told him to get on his knees, Ryans did. The police officer even cuffed Ryans, both before, after, and while, for that matter, a police dog was gnawing on his leg. The officer made no attempt to calm the police dog, because these people can't even, you know, calm down human beings. Really expecting them to be able to calm down dogs? Uh, I think that'd be easier, but apparently not. And as such, since then, Jeffrey Ryans has had to undergo several surgeries and might even get his leg amputated. Just think about that for a second. He could be getting his leg amputated because a police dog was gnawing on it while he was completely complying. That's the screwed up part. Again, at least in the case of Blake, he was resisting, giant quotes, arrest, and by that I mean he wasn't following uh, the police officer's non-existent demands. Same thing with George Floyd, and especially Richard Brooks. This guy wasn't. He wasn't resisting arrest. He was honestly just sitting there, doing what the officer told him to do, and he still got attacked from it. He still got injured so badly that he had to be amputated. Or that he might have to be amputated, sorry. Now, a lot of people are blaming the officer, Nicholas Pierce. 
And yeah, he does deserve a lot of blame. You know what else I think they should do? I think they should put down a dog, personally. And I know, I know, I'm going to get some heat from animal lovers for that. But the way I view it, that dog either needs to be trained better, and I assume he was trained already, or put down, as far as I'm concerned. I'm being serious here. And we only blame the officer in this scenario, and we should blame the officer, don't get me wrong, he's currently being fired. However, the dog was the primary aggressor. So why can't we put him down? Why can't we shoot the dog? Being dead serious, that dog has proven that he can't be inside. What are we going to do, put him in dog jail? No, we're going to put him down. That's the only logical solution to what we saw. And I don't know, maybe the dog has been since then, I don't know. Although that's oddly a controversial opinion that animals who attack other human beings should be put down if they just so happen to be of a certain very broad species. But I can rant about my dislike of the animals' rights movement another day. Oh, and by the way, the psychopathic, in my opinion, officer... Like, this man genuinely needs to be on antipsychotics. Uh, was calling the dog that was, again, biting a man who was complying so badly he had to have multiple surgeries a good boy. Maybe that was, of course, because if he criticized the dog, he would be attacked by animal rights activists. Maybe that's why they didn't want the video to come out, truth be told. Can we see if it was animal rights activists keeping the video from coming out? It wouldn't surprise me. But seriously, folks, this shows that, yes, there are bad police officers, and there is a system that is encouraging. This video was taken five months ago. Wait, no, four months, almost five months ago. It'll be five months ago in a week. April 24th, this happened. And we are just now finding out about this. The officer is just now getting fired. We are just now seeing consequences. Jeffrey Ryan hasn't been able to take the last five months not dealing with the consequences. Everyone in this story has managed to avoid consequences for the past five months, except for Jeffrey Ryan, who was, again, bitten so badly he needed multiple surgeries. This is a clear example of police brutality. There's no way around. This is a clear example of police brutality. Uh, the guy was completely complying with the orders. What you're told to do, by the way, you're just told if they had just complied, none of this would have happened, as if minor disobedience worthy of being shot. But even if we ignore that kind of authoritarian way of thinking, Jeffrey Ryan was completely Going along with what the officer told him to do, he was on the ground, he was in cuffs. He can't pose a threat to the officer. And what happened? He got his leg nearly not up. And he might have his leg amputated. Congratulations, this is the American police system. This is the police system, at least in Utah. And we are seeing more and more of these stories break. You know, I remember... I remember... After the death of George Floyd and after the BLM protest, there was all this scaring that police will become afraid to do their jobs. I remember Ryan Grindusky saying that uh, Justin A. Nash's bill to end qualified immunity was basically an abolish the police bill. This isn't police being afraid to do their jobs. 
If this is the job police were doing before George Floyd, yeah, they should be afraid to do it, as far as I'm concerned. They should. They should genuinely be afraid to bite people who are complying with orders so badly they may need their leg amputated and have needed several surgeries since that happened. I think that's a perfectly fair statement. Anyway, last thing for tonight. Black Lives Matter has found another martyr. This man is Ricardo Minos. No, no, no. Not the former member of the Chicago City Council from the 22nd Ward. Although, he is also very important. And shot by police officers in a video from the 13th, or yesterday. Now, I should know before we really get into the topic that I have typically sided with BLM on a lot of these. I have. I really have. I even sided with them controversially with people like Rashad Brooks and Jacob Blake, who many felt were, well, very bad people. I argued that they were, however, the police officers still acted inadequately in terms of giving out proportional punishment in the case of Rashad Brooks and in terms of not standing around like complete idiots until they had an excuse to shoot him in the back seven times in the case of Jacob Blake. Again, both were morally debatable, but I did take the side of the people being shot. That is because typically I do hold authority figures to a higher standard, especially if they have qualified immunity, than I do random civilians. Rashad Brooks could have been on the exact same level morally as the police officer who shot him. The police officer who shot him has qualified immunity. Police officer or Rashad Brooks does not, so kind of got to side with Brooks there on that alone. I mention this because this is the case where I am closest to siding with the police officer. I do not think he acted perfectly, and I do think there are still issues at play here. However, the case of Ricardo Minos went, in my opinion, about as well as anything could. So this is from AOL. Police in Pennsylvania deployed tear gas on a crowd of protesters following a fatal shooting of a suspect who chased an officer with a knife during a domestic investigation Sunday afternoon. Body cam footage released by Lewicass authorities just hours after the incident showed a 27-year-old man coming out of a home and running towards the officer with a knife in his right hand. The officer filed several shots as he ran from the suspect on the sidewalk, the video shows. So, for those who don't know, this man, Ricardo Minos, was essentially called for domestic violence. Okay, that is what happened. Now, then the police officers show up and he runs out with a knife, chasing the police officer. And the police officer, by the way, is not any notable distance away from Minos when it happens. So he couldn't do like a calm down thing, because what if he doesn't? Well, by that time that happened, the police officer would be dead. Now, mind you, I think going for your gun first was the wrong move. They made no attempt to taser Minos or otherwise incapacitate him before directly resorting to shooting him. And they also shot him fatally several times, or he, in this case, it was only one officer, sorry, of course it's habit, it is normally multiple officers, but the officer in question did shoot Minos several times, including in fatal areas. You know, people made fun of Joe Biden's just shoot him in the leg comment, but again, that does actually make a substantial difference. 
You're shot in the leg, yeah, that sucks, you'll be in a cast for a bit, but at the very least, you'll still be alive. With that said, I do believe that the police officer should have made an attempt to incapacitate him before shooting him in general. Reach for a taser first. I understand the police officer was panicked, and as such, I am not going to hold this all that against him like I held, say, kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes, or shooting a guy who's running in the opposite direction of you, or, or just standing there while a guy walks in circles around his car for minutes on end. Yeah, still no excuse for any of those. Wanna be clear, those are still all wrong. However, however, in all of those cases, there was either a much more obvious abuse of force, or, for that matter, there was something the police officer could have done that would have substantially changed the situation. Now, in these cases we're seeing right now, it feels like a lot of them, there could have been something else. You know, George Floyd uh, says, I, I, I can't do this, I'm having a panic attack, I can't breathe. The police officer, again, and I understand the police officer can't roll out the red carpet for him, they can't just sit there and call an ambulance. Okay, makes sense, but you could at least make an attempt to calm him down. Like, you could have made a basic attempt. Jacob Blake, run up to the guy and puff him, for God's sake. Well, why are you standing there? Why are we paying you? Uh, Rashad Brooks, you don't shoot a guy in the back. It's just that simple. This guy was charging towards the officer. The closest comparison I can think of to what happened here is probably uh, Michael Brown. Now, Michael Brown, for those who don't know, that was the hands-up-don't-shoot story. That was completely wrong. Uh, Michael Brown charged at the officer, I believe, after attempting to take his gun. Or maybe, I forget if he had the gun or not. I forget if he had a gun or not. I don't think he did. I do not think he did. And Brown was shot, and it was determined that it was in self-defense. Um, now, I still do have some questions regarding the Michael Brown case. However, at the same time, I will admit that the police in question, despite m my massive disagreements with the Ferguson Police Department, and despite the fact they have shown institutional racism, were, at the very least, correct in that one case. I'll say that right now. Okay? I will. I will. So, how do I feel about the shooting of Ricardo Manus? Well, essentially... I feel like the officer probably could have done better, but I do not think it would have created a substantial difference in what happened. Look at what happened to um, Manus if he was tased. He'd probably end up on the ground. He might not work. It genuinely might not, and the police officer would still be forced to shoot him. It's an attempt, though, that does at least matter. You should not shoot someone unless there is absolutely no resort. And you know what? In the case of Manus, I'm willing to accept that there might have been no other option. A lot of these other cases, I do not accept that. But Manus, I will accept that. He was not murdered in cold blood. I do, however, feel the officer was a little too trigger-happy 
and should have gone for something besides his gun first. Anything. Anything. Use some... I, I don't know if you really use tear gas on a moving target. Uh, but you know what? Make an attempt. That, actually, don't if your life is in danger. Although, although the weapon was a knife, that is bad. Don't get me wrong. Stabbing can be fatal. But if somebody stabs you, yeah, you'll bleed out after a while. But it would take over an hour, in most cases, for you to bleed out. Like, if he does start stabbing you, I would be perfectly fine with you just shooting him. Although, hey, you know what? Not everybody wants to take the Although, don't police officers have a decent amount of armor under there? Like, seriously. You have a bulletproof vest on. I can't stand knife stabs, really? Uh, okay. But maybe, maybe this guy was going to slit the officer's throat. Although, how would you, could you really do that? I mean, that guy looked deranged. I guess we need to know more about his state at the time. But as it stands, I think the officer could be a future issue, but as of this specific case, I lean towards him. I do. I'll admit that. And that's our show. Good night.